This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I am your host, Lindsay. Thanks for being here. I hope you're having a great summer. This episode of the podcast is supported by Privanex. And if you are looking for a solid company to get your multivitamins and supplements for, look no further than Privanex. They have a great protein powder that is vegan. It is delicious in taste. They have vanilla and chocolate. We use it every day. I highly recommend it. They also have a great joint supplement that, oh my goodness, the rave reviews I keep getting for the joint supplement that they have. I take it myself. And of course, a multivitamin. We all need a multivitamin. And this is my multivitamin of choice. They also have kids' vitamins. Go to Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your first order. All right, friends. Today, I'm talking with Jess Stenson, who is an Olympic marathoner from Australia. She's also the 2022 Commonwealth Games champion. She runs with Lululemon. She is the mother of one with another on the way. And she is one to be watching if you are a fan of the marathon. She's a 225.15 marathon personal best. And at the 2022 New York City Marathon, she placed ninth in a time of 227.27. I am so excited to see where her career leads after baby number two. And I hope that you enjoy getting to know Jess just like I did in this podcast episode. We have another Australian coming up on the show as well. So I'm excited about that. It's fun to cover the sport and what's happening on the other side of the world. These women are bringing it. If you enjoy this episode, please consider leaving us a quick rating and review on iTunes. That is a really great way potential listeners can find us, new listeners. Um, and if you want to learn more about this podcast and all the shows in our network, just go to sandyboyproductions.com. I also have a podcast that is kind of more parenting focused, lifestyle focused called Why Is Everyone Yelling? And uh, I'd love to have you check that out too. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Jess. All right. Well, today on the podcast, we have Jess Stenson on the show. Welcome to the show, Jess. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. Okay. So you're coming to us from Southern Australia. This, yes. I just like, it's always <laughs> so cool to be interviewing someone on the other side of the world and it is morning time where you are, and it is evening time where I am. <laughs> yeah, 7.30 a.m. in Adelaide. Wow. Um, so you are pregnant with your second baby. Do you all know if you're having a girl or a boy? We found out we're having a girl. So we've got okay. a three-and-a-half-year-old boy and a little girl on the way. <laughs> um, can you tell me about your son's name, Billy? I love that name. <laughs> well, it's actually his grandpa, so my husband's... Um, Sorry, my husband's grandpa, so Billy's great-grandpa, um, was William, but everyone called him Bill. Um, mm -hmm. He sadly passed away about a year ago, but Billy got to meet him, and so um, the name sort of comes from, from him, and it's just a, a name that my husband Dylan and I both like as well. So. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> so not to draw this to me and my kids, I know y'all are probably get sick of me, hearing me talk about my kids sometimes, but I have a son named William Sandwell and 
that name is because Sandwell is my husband's mom's maiden name. Okay. And she passed away six years ago. And so that's kind of like our, our like how we're bringing her into the family. Um, but we, he goes by Sandy for <laughs> Sandwell. <laughs> and, right. And um, but sometimes when we're like joking around, we call him Bill. And so we'll be like, where did Bill go? Um, because Bill is just such like a old man name but I <laughs> love Billy like if we didn't go Sandy I totally would have gone Billy I just think it is like so sweet and also fun at the same time yeah and it's one of those names we're seeing a lot of girls um called Billy now so oh, he's really B-I-L-L-Y and the girl spellings often I-E oh I have it oh yeah like Billy Eilish yeah 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 I didn't even think about that is that short for something I don't think so huh um okay well so you're having a girl you're due in September yes I would love I think we could just dive right into to this part of the discussion then is you're 35 years old two-time Olympian 225 marathoner right in the heart of your marathoning career I know you've done (laughs) several marathons but I'd love to just dive into deciding when to have a family and and what that looks like when your job is running marathons yeah it's an interesting one I for as long as I can remember wanted to be a mum and I remember my husband and I in about 2016 after the Rio Olympics starting to talk about it and then um, I didn't quite get the result I was hoping for in Rio I'd had a um bone stress injury in my foot in the lead up and it was just a bit of a disrupted prep loved the experience but didn't feel like I was um quite ready to to start that phase of life yet after Rio so went on to um run the London Marathon in 2017 and the world champs and by the time I'd run the world champs in August are um Commonwealth Games which is all of the Commonwealth countries coming together it's it's actually quite a big major event um for Australians that was coming to Australia so I I went on to compete in 2018 and um, that was in April did the Gold Coast Marathon in July and then ended up doing the Toronto Marathon at the end of that year and I was feeling just like I yeah had a lot of competition and I'd just run a PB in Toronto and it just felt like the right time to Mm. try and start a family at the end of 2018 and so that's when Billy came along in 2019 and it's a funny one I sort of I had to be in a position where I was comfortable with not um, chasing my running girls or running at my best anymore because I just didn't know what was going to happen in pregnancy and childbirth but I found after having Billy I was more motivated than ever um, to get back to my best at some point and I've really enjoyed sharing that experience with um, Billy and, and Dylan my husband and I've got so many women around me now who are competing as mums it just it seemed possible and so I've gone into this pregnancy with a different mindset I'm I'm thinking no I, I feel like I still can you know run my best down the track and uh, this is just going to be a, a year or two of um, a change of pace and then hopefully I can get back into it so the decision this time around was more um, when can I have a, a year or two of just uh, not competing um, with the idea that I'll hopefully get back to it the timing with the Olympics isn't ideal but uh Mm -hmm. I didn't want to wait yeah I didn't want to wait until after mid 2024 to start trying and and potentially be 
you know, um, older again and, and with a nearly, you know, five or six year old. So we'll just see. It's, it's, it would be a very tough um, ask to qualify for the next Olympics, particularly because the Australian team's looking really strong at the moment. But I won't rule it out completely just yet. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, when you think about it in terms of an Olympic cycle, like planning your babies is a challenge. I mean, because it just comes to go. And then we only had that three-year gap between 2021 and 2024. Um, but I really admire it. I think a lot of women, I'm, I'm hoping this starts happening more if people do want to have babies sooner. A lot of women do wait until their very late 30s because they might be done competing or they're thinking maybe my best years are behind me and I'm, I'm going to come back, but I'm not sure. And I wanted to make sure I got in as much as possible beforehand. And gosh, it's just so much to think about as mm. a woman using your body. And like you said, you just don't know what the comeback is going to be like. But um, as, as you've shown after Billy and so many other women, Steph Bruce included, we were chatting about her a little bit before the show because you had listened to her episode. Like this is very possible. It's just a scary endeavor, endeavor when you've never done it before. Mm, and you do have to keep a really open mind because there are so many unknowns. Um, with Billy, he ended up being in a breech position and I had an elective C-section. So then there was that recovery process um, from the abdominal <laughs> trauma of the C-section. But at the same time, um, you know, there can be complications with both, you know, with all styles of delivery. And um, and then, you know, he, he was a pretty good sleeper and a really good feeder, but some babies aren't. So I'm well aware that <laughs> it could look very different um, this know. time trying to get back into it. So that's why I don't want to have any goals in concrete just yet um just know that I want to make progress and it'll be on its own timeline <laughs> um so my first baby was breech as well and I also had a c-section and was able to be back um all my other kids so mm -hmm. I always find that like it, hopefully that's encouraging to other people who yeah for sure had a c-section for their first I mean mine was scheduled and planned so nothing traumatic so I think that the doctors were more likely to say like, sure, we're going to try the VBAC, but yeah. um, it sounds like yours might've been that way as well. Yes. Yep. It was. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Okay. So I love that you aren't putting that pressure on yourself because anytime we do that, we look back and we're like, what was I even thinking? Why did I think I could control <laughs> any of this? Uh, because your baby is due in September. So you'd have what, what would be your turnaround to try to, well, cause okay. Most people listening, not everybody, is probably American. We probably mm -hmm. have like a, I don't know, 7% elsewhere. Yep. Um, but your selection process is different. Like we have our trials in February. But what would it look like for you to make the Olympic team for 2024? So currently our team is um, selected just based on pretty much the – the three fastest times there is some discretion in there so the selectors will take into account um, history at performing at major championships and that sort of thing but usually we'd only have about three or four women who would be um, able to run the qualifying time so at the moment I think the standards to 26 30 which has come down a lot over the years mm -hmm. 
Um, but actually this year there were probably six or seven girls wow. who might be able to run it. So we're actually getting to a point where we could almost justify having a marathon trial, but it's not at that stage yet. So I think the cutoff window will be the end of May. So for Australians, um, Japanese marathons are quite appealing because they're basically in the t- same time zone. There's only, you know, about, about eight hours of travel. So there are a couple around that March, April period. There are also some European marathons in around April. I think you've got like London, Rotterdam, mm-hmm. Hamburg. Boston is another one I'd love to do one day. Um, that I was actually scheduled to do Boston this year. <laughs> and um, it's a funny one because I, I knew that we were going to try and start mm-hmm. that process of um, you know having a baby. And I sort of said um, early on, I, I'd love to you know, put my name down for Boston, but there's a chance that um, I might fall pregnant. And then about uh, 14 weeks before the marathon, I was able to tell them that um, actually, <laughs> and they were yeah. really understanding and they, they were great. Um, but that's on the to-do list one day as well. I don't know that I'd be able to use that as a um, qualifying opportunity though, because of the net um, downhill. Yeah, I saw I saw you had sh- shared a post a while back about, and I was like, "Gosh, you were pretty high up on that list, though, time wise. You were on the first, the first page <laughs> with your two twenty five. It was a strong field. I remember yeah, seeing it and thinking, "Wow, this is going to be an incredible race to be a part of." Um, you know, Emma Bates and and you know, women I'd just recently run the New York uh-huh. Marathon with. <laughs> I loved reading your re- race recap from New York. <laughs> Oh, nice it was an place. incredible experience. I, I had so much fun over there. That's if any Australian like just wants to do one marathon in their life, it's it's usually New York. <laughs> really? That's on a lot of people's um to do list. It's okay, so of all the you've done fourteen marathons. Of all the marathons you've run, you'd say New York. Well, in terms of atmosphere and just how well organized it is, you're just constantly in admiration of how mm. it all comes together. Like the bus trip there, looking at the lines of Portaloos. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the whole start line experience with the, the Frank Sinatra and it was, it was incredible. And I just loved the different sections of the course, the way the – the crowd kind of changed and the vibe and you could always tune into what was happening around you if you were starting to feel really uncomfortable mm-hmm. and needed to get out of your own head. I, I loved that aspect of it, but I found it really tough around Central Park. I definitely felt like I squeezed everything out of myself. You were catching people though. I mean, <laughs> to finish ninth at one point, you didn't you say you were 25th? Yeah, I decided to start fairly conservatively because it was a warm day. I thought um, my goal would be to try and work through the field and uh, I think that paid off because it was, you could really feel the heat in the early stages and then it seemed to kind of cool off and um, it was a nice feeling sort of being strong through those middle phases over some of the bridges and um, it's one I'd like to do again one day though and probably prepare a little bit more for the hills mm. I, I'd heard that it was undulating but it was probably a little bit more um, up and down than I'd expected Ooh, you're telling me yeah it is so hilly <laughs> so tell me what it's like being Australian at the start line of like the New York City Marathon and even running in the field most American fans like they know the American women and that's what they're paying attention to and 
one thing I love about hosting this podcast is being able to bring names like yourself into the ears of the fans of the sport that are here in America because, I mean, how exciting it would it be if they would have known who you were coming <laughs> through and placing ninth up there in the top ten. So do you feel – yeah, like what does it feel like, I guess? I don't know if that's a, a strange question. It's, I mean, it's really special. You just feel so um, privileged to be a part of it. I've been fortunate to meet a number of the American runners over the years, Steph Bruce being one. I went to Flagstaff for the first time in 2015 for a training camp and one of my Aussie friends was staying with the Bruces. I think maybe Hudson was just young at that point mm, wow. and um and then the following year I went back there again um so I got to hang out with Steph again and I stayed in Sarah Hall Sarah and Ryan's place that time around so it's really fun coming over and getting to catch up with American friends and then uh, I had a cousin just living in um, Maryland outside of DC and so I got to spend a week in DC pr- preparing and and uh, heading across to New York and it just it is such an amazing city my coach was able to come over I had another Aussie friend Elsie Eloise Wellings in the field and we just couldn't believe how well looked after we all were Mm. and um, just getting to experience New York in in that way was was something really special my husband and son stayed at home because um, we'd been in Europe earlier in the year for the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham Uh, but if I were to do it again I'd, I'd love to bring them as well and and just to experience that energy out there and although the Americans don't necessarily know who you are you've got your name on your bib people mm-hmm. are cheering um they're just so supportive of of everyone I I first noticed that in 2015 when I raced the San Diego rock and roll half just oh, okay. the signs that were out there and the way people kind of passionately support you even not knowing who you are so I can't imagine what it would be like to actually be known <laughs> well and and I should caveat that with like the other pros know who you are. It's just like the everyday American <laughs> casual fan might not know who the other runners are from other countries. Yeah, but they're still very supportive, which is amazing. <laughs> hey, friends, a quick break here. I want to thank Gooder for supporting this podcast. I'm so excited they've signed on for another year. And these are the best sunglasses out there. They're functional, fashionable, And they have all sorts of fun colors. They have classic colors and styles, and they are affordable. Not only are they affordable, they don't break easy either. They like really stand the test of time. I just throw these suckers in my purse and they survive. I don't know how they do, but they do. They have some really cool new sunglasses out now. I love the I like it like that. These purple sunglasses, I think those are my new favorites. And for listeners of the show, you can get free shipping. The code is another. It's just another. And when you use that code, you get free shipping off your order. So go to gooder.com slash another. Use the code another and that'll get you free shipping. Uh, All right, friends. And hey, when you support a sponsor of this podcast, that's you supporting this show. We can't do this show without sponsors or without you listeners. Those are two things that are very essential. So thank you if you've ever purchased from a sponsor before. We really appreciate that. And thank you for listening. All right, back to the show. 
Um, so you brought up the Commonwealth Games. So you're the 2022 Commonwealth Champion. <laughs> okay, that was like July, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, okay. July 30th. Okay, so you had time in between the two. Um, and talk about your experience, how your experience in 2018 um, led you to the experience in 2022 at Commonwealth Games and what you took from your 2018 experience to um, race so well in 2022. I have to admit, you know, coming to the end of 2018, my husband and I had actually gone to uh, Europe for a little while to um, just step out of the hustle and bustle of our lives in, in Australia and we knew that we were probably going to, you know, start that process soon of um, starting a family and or trying to start a family and I was training over there for the Toronto Marathon. Sort of a lot of the sessions were on my own and I was finding it really hard to get motivated. I think physically and mentally I was just feeling a bit burnt out from the um, how many years, six years of sort of two to three marathons a year. And so when I fell pregnant and I, I stepped out of that training routine and was suddenly in the gym um, on the elliptical and in the pool away from my training squad, I, I started to really miss it. And it was, it was a really positive experience for me just stepping away from it for a while and reminding myself or realizing why I love running so much and so when I did get back into it I had this renewed motivation I was really excited to um, you know try and get into another marathon and because of COVID starting at Mm. the beginning of 2020 that was actually really difficult and the the longer I got from or the further away I got from 2018, the harder it was to get into an elite field because I hadn't run a marathon for a year or two there. So I ended up running my first marathon as a mum at the end of 2021 here in Australia. It was um, one of our city marathons and I went into it feeling really relaxed without too much internal pressure. I was just so happy to be on the start line and, and that was where I ran my PB of... 225 um 15 and and that qualified me for the commonwealth games and i think that mindset has just carried through where i'm just mm. so happy now to to get out and train I, I don't have any issues with motivation i don't overthink anything these days i'm just um i feel a lot freer with my running and uh see it as a nice opportunity to just get away and have some thoughts to myself because you're so busy and your mind is so active with a with a toddler at home and and having that moment to step out into the fresh air and just challenge yourself in a different way is is really nice so it sounds like you're attributing some breakthroughs to that like to motherhood I think so I think I've had to work on some areas um, that I've sustained ephemeral bone stress injury uh, 14 months after um, giving birth. I think I'd had that year of nursing, like breastfeeding, and probably I might have depleted a few resources and had a, a bone stress injury on the other end of it. But then I had another one at the beginning of 2022. So I had to really look at what I could be doing differently to prevent those injuries. And I, I realized that the gym work is something I'd mm-hmm. dropped since becoming a, a mum. So I, I've had to really work on getting stronger in those, in you know, my 
my back and my abs, my legs, and I think some of those things have probably helped my running, but also the shoe technology took a real jump in that period from 2018 to 2021 when I ran my first marathon as a parent as well. So I don't know how much I can attribute to the shoe technology and just being able to recover better as well. (laughs) Yeah, you always forget about that. That's always, yeah, that's always a thing. Yeah. did you have issues with the shoe technology though, as far as like, did they bug you? Like, did, did you have any injuries because of them or anything? I don't know. Um, because it was my first time having a femoral injury, like it's a, it's a big bone, like high up in your leg. It was different to any injury I'd had before. Perhaps it was partly due to just jumping in these new shoes. You were when wearing I'd the come, new ones? Yeah, when I'd come yeah. back from um, huh. having a baby. So I probably didn't have a long time to adjust to the shoes. Um, so it, that could be it because I do understand they sort of distribute the force higher up your body, um, higher up the chain. Um, they they take a bit of the stress off your feet and calves, but it's sort of got to go somewhere. So maybe it was just a period of adaptation where I was getting used to the shoes as well that led to some injuries. Probably a combination. I yeah. <laughs> so I see you're working with Lululemon now. You were sponsored by ASICS for a very long time. Are you? Do you still work with ASICS at all? Um, I'll still be keen to race in their shoes. Okay. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm really excited to be to be running um, or working with Lululemon. It's a fantastic brand, and it's only been about four or, or five months now. But okay. I've been able to meet so many incredible people, and we were on a um, little trip in um, South Korea earlier this year, where I got oh, cool. to meet um, some of the ambassadors and the team from the whole Asia Pacific region. And it's yeah, what they're trying to do in the running space is is really exciting. So I'm looking forward to. To working more with the brand to just um, put it out there as, as a really good running performance um, brand because uh, yeah their their apparel's fantastic and and in North America I think the shoes have already been released and that'll be happening in Australia next year as well so they'll have um, shoes for jogging and training but but not racing um, mm. in the early stages so that's where I'll just uh, stick to what I know in the racing space I think <laughs> yeah what does that look like contract wise though with like sponsorships and stuff or is your contract different with ASICS than it used to be yeah for sure so I, I don't have an official contract with them but my okay. training squad um, team tempo a lot of um, the squad is supported by ASICS so um yeah, I'll, I'll probably just, I would have the option, I guess, to look at different brands, but yeah. because I've been running in ASICS footwear since, well, it's been 2013, okay. uh, I think just, yeah, I'll, I'll probably feel safer wearing what I know and I'm really happy with their race shoes. So I might be able to get sort of supported within the squad with race shoes, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but there's no official contract. You're not going to race in the Lululemon joggers. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> might not, I, might not uh, miss out on that shoe technology a little bit there. I think that'd tell me not to do that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Lululemon is doing some really cool stuff here over in the States as well. And I mean, I remember when they just started like kind of getting their feet wet in the running space at all and so it's been cool to see the progress that they've made and I mean all these sponsored athletes that are running at the pro level like you who are working with them yeah no it it is really exciting to see um and 
it's just it's it's more than just um them looking um at my, at my running I love that they've got a really holistic approach and and with you know my family goals and things I'm doing outside of running I've just felt really supported in every way which is great so can you just tell everybody like how big of a deal the Commonwealth Games is in Australia and the surrounding countries that participate because I'm not sure most Americans really know yeah so basically we have you know the Olympics every four years and then um, on another four-year cycle but um, two years after the Olympics we have the Commonwealth Games and because we've hosted some in Australia and there are less countries and so the Australians can typically be you know making finals and and at the front of the the field and having a lot of um, success out there winning netballs uh, winning medals in different sports um, we've got a few different sports like netball which mm-hmm. which wouldn't necessarily be known um, in America but I think it's really appealing to the Australian audience because they can see people they know um, right up there as opposed to the Olympics sometimes you're just trying to spot the <laughs> you spot the yellow or the green um, the singlet out there and it's harder to make finals and that sort of thing. So it's it's quite an attractive event for the general public to watch and support and they do a really good job of broadcasting it, um, you know, to the homes here. So it does create a lot of excitement and, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it last year. I think we went into it unsure of how many people would be there because the Olympics had had no spectators mm-hmm. and it was one of the first major events since COVID, but the crowds were were really um, energetic and, and they came out in <laughs> full force. So in Birmingham, I think they love their live sport over there in, in the UK. So it was a good feel. It's a bit of a like a London marathon type um, vibe okay. out there. Yeah. You know, when I tweeted that, I just tweeted before this that I was having you on the podcast and Lee Troop said, legend. <laughs> yeah, Troopy's famous in Australia. There are lots of um, just, yeah, really funny stories that involve Troopy from um, when he was competing and he, yeah, has a lot of friends, particularly that Steve Monaghetti, who's a, um, mm. a famous marathoner here in Australia. He and Troopy have some great stories together. <laughs> you have some amazing role models and women who are much your senior I mean Sinead Diver Lisa Waitman like 44 46 Mm. who are just slaying so I mean at 35 about to have your second baby I mean I feel like those women are really showing you like hey like there is all the time in the world here. Mm. And I got a similar feel listening to Steph and Ben Rosario's chat with you the other day as well. I probably, I would have thought um, when I was in my mid-20s that when I'm in my early to mid-30s, that's probably the time where you just naturally would need to start winding down, like backing off competing because um, the body would be slowing down and it's been so exciting to as my career has progressed, see these women just, you know, breaking down um, barriers and and doing things that, you know, others haven't thought is possible. And then suddenly it opens up this whole new window of opportunity for the 
for the women um, around them. So to have been on some teams with with Lisa and to see what she's doing and then Sinead, I mean, have you interviewed Sinead? I think you've interviewed Ellie Pashley, haven't you? Yeah, I've had Ellie on. I yeah. did interview Sinead, a yeah. w- but it's probably been four years. Like it's been a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah. I need to have her back on. <laughs> I'm interviewing Lisa next week. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Yeah. They're all, yeah, just fantastic people. And Sinead was on um, my team in in Birmingham and um, just it's so much fun to share this experience together and I'm so grateful that they've done what they've done because suddenly I'm in my mid-30s and definitely not thinking of retiring anytime soon and and I think I can attribute a lot of that belief to to the girls around me and, you know, Elsie as well, Eloise Wellings, she's – I think she turned 40 just after okay. New York and um, okay. she's chasing some big goals too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I um, I honestly feel like when I started this podcast seven years ago, we were talking about women in their late 30s breaking barriers and like, mm. can you, you know, like she's 38 and she's doing this and that <laughs> and, and now it's like, Sinead Diver is 46. Yeah, and for the American listeners who don't know, she ran our Australian record, um, well, she beat our Australian record last December in Valencia. She ran 221.34 to smash um, Benita Willis's previous record that had stood since 2006, Chicago, I think. Wow. And that was 222.36. So Sinead beat that by just over a minute. (laughs) At 45 or 46. I yeah. I don't know how she was when she did it, but like, yeah. move move over 38 <laughs> because that's about to that's be 48. Right. Um, yes, and I've had Benita on the podcast as well. I'm, She's amazing. I'm really working through all the Australians. I love it. You'll have to tell me who, who else. Your friend, um, who did you just mention? Ellie, not uh, Ellie Pashley. Eloise Wellings. Eloise. Yeah, Yeah. so she's been running for Australia since she was about 15 years old. She was a track runner uh, who should have probably been at um, a couple of Olympic Games Mm -hmm. before London in 2012 but had some nasty injuries. She has a um, fascinating story and just has one of the longest careers of of any runner I know. And Benita's been one of my sporting heroes um, Mm -hmm. since I was a young teenager watching her at the Olympics. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's great that you've chatted with Benita as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, so I connected with her because I had Lindsay Flanagan yes. um, on the show. Yeah. And she, Benita's her coach. And I was like, okay, let's let's figure out more about her. I want to learn more. Yeah. And I just thought it was so fascinating that Lindsay had this Australian coach. And I'm like, what's the connection? And um, also so happy for her that she had her her daughter and yeah 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 it was great to meet Lindsay at the Gold Coast Marathon last year actually she ran really well there (laughs) she's so great like she is she's such an easy fun personable person like to interview (laughs) like such an easy interview I should say it that way um so yeah I mean that's really exciting and I think you're just setting yourself up for so much success not putting this pressure on yourself like I, I am making it a goal to make the Olympic team. Like that's that's not even the goal. Like you're just going to come back and see how your body responds and what happens. So I guess I'm thinking like with these women going before you who are older than you, breaking these barriers and records, does that give you a sense of peace? Like, hey, 2028 LA, I'm going to be 40. Like 
that's probably actually the better <laughs> bet than 2024. Yeah, it's funny. I remember um, sitting in my bedroom at the London Olympics in 2012 and a friend had sent me um, a CD back then um, to watch to motivate me before the race and it was of um, Joan in the um, 1984 LA Olympics and I remember that being just such a it almost it gave me goosebumps watching that so the LA Olympics it's it's pretty special for women's distance running being the first marathon at the Olympics so that is something I've um, allowed myself to dream about a little bit for sure. Oh my gosh. I haven't even like, why haven't I put that together or talked <laughs> about that at all? I don't, I, I haven't like seen anybody talking about that. So yeah, I'm sure it will be celebrated so um, at the time. It'll have like, Joan would have to have a big role there. Uh, and <laughs> She hates being in the spotlight though, I feel like. So I don't know. <laughs> She'll do something quietly and but yeah. be involved. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is so, so cool. Okay, so let's talk about your marathon progression a little bit. 14 marathons, that's a lot of marathon. What did you run your first marathon in? And I know that time isn't doesn't mean all the things because mm. who knows what that experience was, but let's talk about like what it looked like to get to that 225 and then becoming a Commonwealth champion. Yeah, so I mentioned the sport netball a bit earlier. I grew up running a bit of cross country but playing a lot of netball and I was sort of in the center court, which means you're running around a lot and – I guess that was maintaining my fitness level. When I got to the age of 21, I I could see that I wasn't really progressing in that sport Mm. anymore. And I was, my brother had just made, um, again, another Australian sport, um, Aussie rules football. He was sort of progressing in that. And my sister was rowing at a high level and I really wanted to take a sport to a higher level. And I, I just didn't see netball taking me there. So that's when I switched to take running more seriously and uh in 2000 and um it was 2011 my coach sort of um said you know next year's the olympics i think you're naturally going to um have your greatest success over the marathon distance he could just tell with my characteristics in training that that would be my event and he said let's target a marathon um, early in 2012 and just have a go at that qualifying standard which at the time was two hours and 32 minutes and so I'd run some half marathons and I I was 24 I think at the time and I felt like it was maybe a bit earlier in my career to be running a marathon but there was just that opportunity there that would have been sad to to miss so so we went to Japan and I ran in the Nagoya marathon and ended up finishing in 231 uh 12 I think it was or 231 it was just over 231 and and that's how I managed to secure that third spot on the um Olympic team for London which um Benita Willis and Lisa Waitman were the other two team members okay, so that was ask. my yeah that was my debut it was basically um, an earlier marathon in my career than planned because there was this Olympic sort of opportunity and only two spots had been filled in the team. So it was a really tough marathon, but a very positive experience. <laughs> Have you thought about um, the like having kids situation actually elongating your career because you're getting not only these built-in physical breaks though hard physical breaks because having a baby (laughs) is a lot of work um, both during the process and then after giving birth Um, 
But not only physically are you giving yourself a break from that, like, load, you're giving yourself a break from the mental load. So, Absolutely. like, you're preventing some burnout. Yeah. I um, I definitely think that's the case. And just your motivation, as I said, uh, you get this different perspective. And training for me had become a bit of a, um, like, oh, I've got to get this done. And I'd overthink the sessions and I'd go into them nervous and put a lot of pressure on myself. But when I came back after um, giving birth to Billy, I was a lot slower. And so I just had to set myself a new uh, baseline. And each week I was like, okay, let's try and get my paces down a little bit. And uh, I think it's so rewarding to feel yourself improving a lot because Mm -hmm. when you're at the highest level, you don't really see many improvements. And so getting that satisfaction again. and, And then also, as I said, Sometimes you just need to get out and um, let your your mind wander and have some time, you know, out in nature um, to yourself or, or even running with your squad and being able to chat without, you know, a toddler tugging on you and wanting your attention. As much as I love that and I, I love motherhood, it's, it's sometimes nice just to change the pace a little bit and have some time to yourself, which I didn't see running as an opportunity to do that beforehand. <laughs> All right, listen up. Lagoon Pillows. Oh my goodness. They are back to sponsor the podcast. And let me just tell you, Lagoon is the best pillow I have ever laid my head on in my 39 and a half years of life. I have looked for good pillows for a very long time. And before Lagoon, I was settled on a higher quality pillow I got at Target. Uh, I I mean, I've tried Tempur-Pedic. I've tried other brands and this is by far the best. I think because it's so customized. You fill out a two-minute sleep quiz, okay? And whether you're a back sleeper, a side sleeper, a belly sleeper, however you sleep, these pillows are incredible. I have the Otter. My husband, Glenn, has the Fox. They are so perfect when you lay your head on them. And listen, if you want a more firm pillow, they have those options. If you want a more soft pillow, they have those options. And They even send you the filling so you can fill your pillow as full or as little as you want. It is truly customizable. And we all know that like sleep is so important. If you are not sleeping well and the thing that you are laying your head on is contributing to not good sleep, you need to fix it because we are all working really hard to pursue athletic goals and dreams and sleep is so important. So listen, go to lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay and use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, to get 15% off your order. And just then come thank me for changing your sleep life because Lagoon is amazing. All right, friends, back to the show. So you run the London Olympics. You said you ran 231. Two so at that point, it's a great experience, hard marathon. Are you like, okay, like I've done this once. This is my trajectory now. Like I am a marathoner. I'm not going back to the shorter distances. Yeah, that changed my career trajectory trajectory for sure. I was working as a physiotherapist um, at a clinic in Adelaide and gradually after making the London Olympics, I started to, um, you know, dial back my work schedule and and hours there. And um, by the 2016 Olympics, I was just working um, a lot less hours and then by the time I um, gave birth to Billy I I basically haven't been working as a physio in the clinic since then I've been 
trying to take on more flexible work roles like um, speaking at schools and, mm. and even sort of in the corporate sector a little bit and doing some online running coaching. And I think, yeah, that, that London experience just showed me that I really wanted to run for my country more. I loved that feeling of lining up representing so many other people and the way you could impact um, your community and and country back at home. It's, it's very special when you have... Um, you know, school kids and, and others sort of invested in what you're doing out there. You, you're running for for so many people and I really think that helps me to draw everything out of myself on race day. What do you want those kids to know about your story and to take from like the work you put into what you're doing? I think I, I want them to just see the, the passion and the you know, to know that it is scary. You're getting out of your comfort zone and, you know, there'll be times where, um, it, yeah, it doesn't feel comfortable at all. But if you can find the right things to think about at the right time, you can you can push through that and it's really satisfying to, to cross the line when you've been through those challenges in the race because there is so much that you can apply to life there. So mm. I, I think just showing the yeah the children that it's it's an honor but it, it's also a bit scary at times but if you put yourself out there and and uh be brave and take some risks um you can get yeah some really special opportunities and and rewards on the other end of it because certainly when I was young I found racing so nerve-wracking and I just wanted to avoid it but by stepping into it it's it's led to some yeah, amazing opportunities in life that I, I wouldn't have envisaged. So, yeah. <laughs> I wrote down, um, I was looking, I was looking down because I was looking for this. I had wrote down that before New York, your coach had given you the words calm, focus, and control. Yeah. He often gives me a couple of words to focus on. Uh, before the Birmingham Commonwealth Games, it was, he said, you can always control your uh, behavior and your, mm. um, not your it was your behavior your attitude and your oh I've got to think of the exact words now but um oh and your effort sorry your effort so your effort and your behavior so when you go into a race and there's you're thinking of all of these things that you you can't necessarily control like the weather and and what the other competitors are going to do if you just really focus on those Mm. those things I think it's really empowering so I love um yeah, the way he gives me just a couple of simple things to focus on uh, before each race. Does he give you different things each race? How does he How does he think of new things every race? You've <laughs> run 14 marathons. Well, the last thing he said to me before the Commonwealth Games when um, I was going out to the start line is think of Billy's smile. And that was the oh. first race that Billy had, the first marathon that Billy had watched me run. And that immediately just put everything into perspective. And I was hanging out to get to the 5K checkpoint where I knew that Dylan and Billy would be waiting. So he, he just taps into something that he knows will kind of motivate me for that particular race. He knows what you're like deeply caring about in that. That's right. And we've been, he's been my coach since 2008. So he knows me pretty well. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, So what's his story? Like who is he? I know his name is, I wrote it down, Adam. Yeah, Adam Diddick. Diddick. Okay. What's his story? 
I so mean, he, I know you can't tell me his whole story. But. <laughs> well, he knows Troopy really well. So he lived in um, Ballarat for a little while, actually, where, where Troopy um, lived. But he was a 1,500, 5K sort of runner and went to Memphis, um, you know, to enjoy the college running system and um, got involved in cross country and everything there, but injured his Achilles. And so he came back to Australia he ended up having some surgery on his Achilles and I think in his early 20s just realised mm. it was taking a lot longer to, to come back than he'd hoped. And so his um, partner at the time, who I ran with, um, our coach retired. And so Adam sort of stepped in to, to fill the role, maybe thinking it would be temporary, but ended up just thriving loving the coaching and he hasn't looked back since so he still runs a bit um casually but has you know various injury challenges so he ended up putting his own running goals I guess to the side and and focusing on coaching as he has a squad of oh I don't know 40 plus now um team tempo is the name of the squad and uh he's he's working for athletics Australia and and coaches a couple of Olympians and and loves it so you mentioned your husband was like leaving for work earlier. I know he's he was or is still an elite runner. He was like an eight hundred guy. Yeah, so he holds a South Australian um, state record of one forty six sixty four. So the eight hundred, <laughs> the eight hundred been his main game, but he's probably going to step up to the fifteen hundred next season. So okay, so he's, he's still competitively racing. He is, and while I'm pregnant you know, his running is the focus at the moment. So he's been able to get in some really good training. So that's nice that I've been able to kind of make his running the priority um, each day because often it's it's me trying to just work out my own running schedule and and Dylan fits his in around a little bit. But um, it's, yeah, this has been fun. He's putting in a really good winter here in Australia. So we'll see what he can do over the 1500 next season. Yeah, so would you say in your family your running has been the bigger focus? I don't well, know if that's a key <laughs> question. D- Dylan's work, he basically leaves at 7.30 a.m. and gets home anywhere between 4.30 and 5 p.m. So I would usually do my main session in the morning um, and Billy's in some form of um, care while I do that. And then when Dylan gets home from work, um, I might go for my second run Mm. and then he does his session or we're just kind of coordinating logistics um, when he gets home from work. So it's because running sort of seen as as my job, we kind of make sure (laughs) that's happening and any travel or training camps, he's he's so supportive of those. Mm. But he's really good at being flexible with his running and you know when we were in Switzerland prior to the Commonwealth Games last year he drove to Italy and did a couple of races and so um yeah he's he's incredibly supportive but also very driven and and able just to to get what he needs to do done um in and around it all (laughs) what does he do for work um he studied mechanical engineering and he's in more of like a project management role so he works for SA Water so our big sort of water company here (laughs) okay well and being a 1500 meter runner like your training yes it's your job but like I'm assuming it takes a lot more time you're just running much higher volume yeah yeah um Dylan's typically only ever run sort of 35 k's a week and does gym as well so he's one of 
a really speed-based athlete who does just uh-huh. some really explosive sessions, a lot of lactic acid, and I think he's just a bit over the lactic, which is why he's <laughs> stepping That's why he's up. moving up to the 15. His, his training is all pretty efficient. <laughs> he might want to move up to the 5K while he's Yeah, there. I know. <laughs> um, how did you all meet? Um, so in 2014, we have a local 12K fun run here in Adelaide that – is sort of our big event um, for the year and and we met at the after party there. He'd actually Mm. come from a soccer background so I hadn't seen him in the running circles before so we were strangers to each other and um, just yeah it all went moved pretty quickly from there. (laughs) When did you get married? Uh, The beginning of 2019. Oh yeah okay that yeah that was fast. Um, You (laughs) You mentioned earlier your siblings both being very competitive and, and good athletes. I'm curious, like, were your parents very competitive, good athletes? Like, where did this come from? Uh, my parents have both always been very active. Um, so my dad played football and now he, he likes his cycling. His knees aren't um, in great condition anymore. And mom played a lot of tennis and netball and now she does you know a lot of walking and yoga um so they never probably had opportunities in running at school um but just they're very driven um really determined to I'd say make the most of every opportunity like they you know just their career goals and everything they're still both working um full-time and and they've shown I guess my siblings and I just you know what it means to just grab life with both hands and and make the most of it and um, my dad he's had some he had a tumor diagnosed uh, three years ago and had a sort of nine month period in 2021 of chemo and he's going really well now it's still a bit of an ongoing you know you get scared every time he has tests but the way he managed his treatment in 2021 that would really I just I've always really admired him, but that was just next level. Um, just incredible seeing his mindset through a really scary time. And I think that's definitely impacted my running and my approach to it. Just, you know, he didn't have um, a lot of control in that situation and he was able to go into it with such a positive outlook and chemotherapy's always got some pretty nasty side effects and he just, um, yeah, he was in very strong through that time. So, I have a lot to thank my parents for. Um, like obviously, genetically, they've probably passed on some physical attributes, but mentally and, and the way they approach mm-hmm. life, for sure. I mean, your son is so young, but like, do you think about that in your own parenting and how you want to relay messaging to them and, and whatnot based on what your parents did for you? Yeah, I think just that idea of unconditional love and support, whatever you want to do. I I've always felt that, I could go into sport and, you know, my running and just have a red hot go at it and mum and dad would love me the same regardless. They've never been out there putting pressure on me to to train or prepare for a race in my younger years. It was just, we'll come out and watch and we'll we'll cheer hard and (laughs) I think that's such a a nice feeling to have knowing that you're not out there trying to prove yourself to your Mm. parents and so I hope Billy feels that and I really hope he just loves the outdoors and and nature because that's probably what really draws me to running is just when I get out the door I love just yeah being out there in the fresh air and 
and kind of exploring and I'm just curious to explore my potential. So they're probably some of the things I, I hope that he has that curiosity and love for adventure. You know, it's so interesting. So I, I, my oldest son is 10 and he is a soccer player and he's, he's pretty good, but he, he works really hard. Like that's his thing. Yeah. He will outwork anybody on the field. And my second son just had soccer tryouts and I, I was kind of like observing from afar and he just wasn't trying very hard. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know how to approach this because like I can't expect him to have the same work ethic as my oldest, not yeah. anywhere near it. Cause like my oldest is kind of like the exception in that regard. And so I really had to sit there and think about what to say, you know, after tryouts. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And it looks that. like you had a lot of fun out there. Yeah. <laughs> Versus like commenting on how hard like, you tried. Why weren't you working harder? <laughs> and, and honestly, too, after the fact, I really thought about it. I was texting one of my close friends and neighbors about it. And I was like, we were just talking about the fact that it could be possible. And I've done this with my running that he wasn't working hard because when you work really hard and you put it all out there, the stakes seem a lot higher. Yeah, you're exposing yourself. I agree. You, you're yeah. making yourself a lot more vulnerable. And it it might be a part of bit, like feeling comfortable in your environment as well and when you get to know your teammates. But I yeah. often hear that um, in families where there's the sibling that they say, you know, maybe wasn't as talented but uh-huh. tried really hard uh-huh. and, and um, was very driven. And then sometimes there's, there's mm-hmm. someone who has all of the – physical attributes to be an athlete but just doesn't really want it and have the determination it's yeah that's one thing as a mom it'll be really interesting sort of just navigating that (laughs) well and I did kind of ask him a little bit like what were you thinking out there and he's because it was all these kids on all these different fields and he said I just wanted to see what everybody else was doing on the other fields (laughs) (laughs) they're young he's eight you know Um, yeah yeah that's really cute it's been been interesting to navigate that and I love that's one of my favorite things about hosting this podcast is being able to hear um from high achieving athletes like yourself like what their parents did and and then as you become parents like what your theories are and things like that so yeah I definitely get a lot of um, excitement. Like my parents were able to get to the um, 2012 and 2016 Olympics and and the first um, couple of Commonwealth Games. And, and when I see them out there, mm. it gives me a real buzz. And mm. it definitely, it's funny because when you're a kid and you see your parents um, watching you out on the soccer field or whatever it is, you kind of get that. Yeah. little buzz of energy and it still happens as an adult it's it's funny oh, I love that <laughs> I love that so much um okay so we got to do end a podcast here your son has done an amazing job <laughs> have you heard some little background noises a little <laughs> bit but so my my youngest is four and he's been out of preschool for a couple of weeks now my big boys are still at school and he's so he's been like lurking around the background of a lot of my interviews yeah. lately too so it's very very similar and we love Paw Patrol here at this house yeah yeah he's a big fan um I bet we've been watching Paw Patrol since my oldest was was three and he's 10 now so <laughs> it's so funny because um he loves space and talking about like dinosaurs and, uh-huh. and he says um me- meteors and we're like a meteor and he's like no uh, it's, a, it's a media <laughs> like he oh, says some things with an American accent American. we're like oh it's Paw Patrol 
<laughs> well, I was thinking that when you said eight, because you guys say, I say A6, you say. Yeah, A6. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh, yeah, we love Paw Patrol. He's really into Umizoomi right now, though. Does your son watch Umizoomi? No. Okay. That's like, the, that's like the new fun thing for him. Okay. We've got Blippi, which is, I think uh-huh. that's American. Been doing <laughs> but just wait, because when he gets older, I love, I love to give parents of younger kids a look into how fun it gets. Not that it's not fun now, but <laughs> like they watch shows that you find interesting. Yeah. Like, Honey, yeah. I shrunk the kids home alone. <laughs> like all We're these shows that like, you can actually sit on the couch with them and enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> I love, that's one of my favorite things to do. Um, all right. Well, let's do into podcast here. What is something professionally or personally you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Cool. Um, that's a really good question. I mean, I think professionally, I, I said earlier, I'd love to race the Boston Marathon. Um, that's that's still something I'd really like to do. And um, I, I still just would love to run personal bests from mm-hmm. distances, like 5K right up to the marathon. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so that's it for now. Personally, I think just having a healthy baby is, is my goal at the moment and, and uh, just enjoying that newborn bubble phase. I cannot wait to hear what you name your daughter because <laughs> I'm so in love with the name Billy that I'm sure it'll be equally as exciting. <laughs> um, what is the best, most recent book you've read? I read Des Linden's memoir. I really enjoyed that because I've, I haven't got to know Des really well over the years, but um, just to, yeah, to, to have raced against her and then to learn more about her, um, I, I found that really interesting. So I think I'm just trying to remember what the title of her book is now. Um, choosing to Run. That's it, Choosing to Run. So that was, yeah, the most recent book that I that I read and really enjoyed. I burned through that because we were on vacation when I read it. So it was like the perfect opportunity. And it's a fast read. It so is yeah, a fast I, read, yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. <laughs> um, who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring you would like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? Ooh, these are good questions. I should have thought about them beforehand. <laughs> um, I'd be actually really interested to meet Alison Felix. Mm. I've seen what she's done in like the sort of the women's sporting space and just to, to learn a bit more about her. I listened to one of her TED Talks that was fascinating. So, yeah. Oh, I haven't listened to her TED Talk. Yeah, she posted it. It was probably six or so months ago now and she starts the TED talk um, basically saying she was going out at dark at you know 4 30 a.m for runs and you don't know Mm. why and then you find out it's because she was pregnant and not wanting anyone to know about it so oh oh I'm gonna listen to that I've yeah I've been dying to have her on my podcast for millions of years maybe one day it'll happen yeah and then you can link us up for a coffee or a cup of tea (laughs) Um, yeah, and then I'll and then I'll give you an email intro. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. She's someone that I've found fascinating for a really long time, and I love that. I'm I can't wait to watch her TED talk. I didn't even know she had one, so it shows how much I've been paying attention. I guess. Yeah, it's it's good. It's it shows um what she's done in in that space to to help you know other women. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what is your last message to leave with our audience? I mean, a a big one for me, actually, it's when I do talks and things, a quote that I really love is, 
is aim to be more rather than to have more. And I, mm. I think that's a really big thing, just trying to fill your life with, you know, the things that you love and, and having that self-awareness to know what you need um, to, to get the most out of every day. And I think whatever big goals you're chasing, really try and just enjoy um, the moments and the process of, of getting there. When I went to that first Olympics in London, I remember being really confronted by the athletes who hadn't achieved what they hoped and, and were devastated. And it, it hit me pretty hard because I'd watched the Olympics on TV and thinking it was just all excitement and, and fun. But when you see how much people invest in what they're doing and if it, it doesn't work out on the day, it can be something random like gastro or, you know, a false start, whatever it is. It's, it's a pretty big fall if you've just thrown everything into it and perhaps haven't you know, brought the people you love along the way on the journey and enjoyed those small steps. So I think to everyone, it's just about whatever you're chasing, make sure you're setting yourself up to really get the most out of every day and enjoy that too. And uh, take the people you love on the, the ride with you. Thank you so much, Jess. That's right. I've really enjoyed chatting, Lindsay. Thank you. <laughs> All right, friends. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, Jess, for coming on the podcast. You all can find Jess on Instagram. She's Jess underscore Tren, T-R-E-N. You can find me on Instagram. I'm LindsayHine626 at LindsayHine on Twitter. And I guess I'm at LindsayHine626 on threads now. Uh, check out our website, SandyWayProductions.com. Oh, you can also check out my personal website, LindsayHine.com where I have half marathon and marathon training plans available for purchase as well as 5k plans. So go check that out. Thanks for being here. I appreciate your support and listening and love connecting with you. So hit me up on Instagram, send me an email, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com. Have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next week twice because we have a, um, high school coach series beginning and next week we're kicking it off with the founder of VDOT. So I'm excited about that and to bring that series to you all. Uh, So we'll see you next week twice. Have a great day.